Amen. You know, as, as we, again, we've been talking, there's just a lot of chaos going on in the world. And it's easy sometimes in the midst of all that to forget that God's actually doing stuff, that God is on the move and that no matter what happens, nothing will stop the will of God. He has a plan and it will come to pass. And the victory of Jesus will be seen throughout the world and over the world. Well, today we want to share with you a couple testimonies of what God is doing so you know that God is still on the move. And these are testimonies of things that are happening right now, that are happening in our world at this moment. We're doing this so you can be encouraged, so you can be empowered to join God in what he is doing. Because again, we can get distracted, but God is right here with us. And we have the victory of Jesus to share with the world. So there's two, two testimonies we're going to have shared this morning. The first one is by Johnny Cover. Come on up, Johnny. Johnny is a forward police officer. A great friend of mine. He, he is a sergeant with the forward police department. And he's also the head of our men's ministry. Now, he just got back from Honduras just about a week ago, isn't it? Yeah, just about a week ago. Yeah. So he went down with one of our partner organizations, Light of Life International, Stephen Evans, who some of you have, have had the opportunity to meet. He's going to share some of that experience of what happened just a week ago in Honduras. So would you help me again give a turning point welcome to Johnny Kovar. Well, good morning. Is this thing working? There we go. It's a great honor to be here before you. Uh, I just want to talk about a couple of things that the Lord did uh, through us down there in Honduras. It was really, really amazing. But first, I want to talk about revival. Where does revival begin? Revival begins with each one of us. It begins in our hearts. It begins with conviction. You have to have conviction before you have repentance. You don't have conviction without salvation. Amen? So we have to have conviction in our hearts. Where does that come from? Obviously from the Holy Spirit, but it comes through daily Bible reading. You have to read the Bible every day of your life. There's no excuse as a Christian to not read the Bible. And men, it's your responsibility to lead your families spiritually. So you have to have your daily Bible reading, and then you have to teach the Bible to your families. It's very, very important to do that. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 9. 37 through 38. This is Jesus speaking. He says, The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, the, the harvest is the lost souls, right? We have to go harvest them, but the laborers are few. We are the laborers. We have to go out and do stuff. Now, Honduras was ripe for the harvest. It was so... There were so many salvations that we lost count. We literally had to deconflict and go through our pictures and just talk about it every day because we literally would lose count. There were that many salvations. Um, it, was, it was an incredible time. And the Lord is just moving all over that country. But he can do the same thing here. It's up to us to make that happen. There's nothing special about me. I just said, God, send me. I want to go do your work. And he did, and he did great things through me, through Pastor Jonathan, and through all of us that went. So my first testimony is uh, Pastor Jonathan was doing some street preaching. He did an excellent job, of course, and he was finished, and no one came to the Lord. 
Well, I was holding a, a Spanish Bible, and this guy literally just came up on a bicycle and said, hey, can I have that Bible? And I'm like, well, why do you want it? He said, I don't know. I said, well, let me tell you about Jesus. And then right there, should have a picture of it. Uh, right there, he came to the Lord. He started crying, and we all were crying, and it was fantastic. That's him right there. He literally just came up on a bicycle. And what we do out there, we go into the villages, and we're handing out food. So it's a great segue, because it's free food, of course. And we talk about the free gift of the gospel, because everyone accepts food in a poor country. They all do. And it's the great segue, because... Here, this is free food. The gospel is free. And the gospel is exponentially better than anything you could ever receive. It's the greatest miracle that we could ever have. So it's, it's really awesome. And that, that was my angle to, to get people to come to Christ. And they did, I mean, left and right. It was, it was incredible. So the next one, uh, this one was really, really powerful. We, we went to a store where a woman lived in the store with her family. And uh, we prayed over her, and she said she'd been a Christian for, for two weeks. And she had been praying. That's, that's not the right picture. Uh, she had been praying for a Bible, and we, had, we gave her a Bible. And then she said that her daughter um, had left home. And she was just crying and very, very upset that her daughter was gone. So we prayed over her for reconciliation. And then we, we left, and we went to literally a mud hut. I mean, literally mud bricks on top of each other. And then we came back down this one-way dirt path, I guess you'd call it. And there's these two girls standing right here. And we didn't know who they were. So they, we asked them, well, if you, go, if you died today, what would happen? And they both said, well, I would just go to hell. And we're like, well, we can fix that right now. And long story short, they, they came to the Lord. And then we asked them their name. And she said, my name is Michelle. And I'm like, wait a minute. Michelle was the name of the girl that had run away. And we were like, is that your mom? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, you get in there and give her a hug right now. She's been praying for you for a long time. And she's really upset. So she got saved. And then she went back in. The family was reconciled right there. It was an amazing, amazing time. So you never know what the Lord can do. You got to be bold. You got to be willing to talk to people and get out there. Put yourself out there. Because some people told us no, but we didn't care. We just knocked the dust off our feet and went on to the next one. And more people got saved than didn't that we talked to. It was really, really amazing. But that's why our testimonies are so important. Literally, uh, Revelation uh, twelve eleven says, "And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives." To death. So the blood of the lamb has already happened, right? Jesus spilt his precious blood so that we could be saved. He's alive. He rose from the dead. But we have to tell our testimonies. Our testimonies are so, so important. We must remember them. You must write them down if you forget, because you will forget, I promise. As time goes on, you're not going to remember it as clearly as you will. So we have to have our testimonies. Now, we don't live on the testimony, but we have to tell it so other people can hear it and understand and be encouraged. Um, there were so many healings down there as well. Just healing after healing after healing. But um, 
the one that stood out to me the most. So when someone would ask me for, to pray for them for healing, I would always uh, talk to them about Luke chapter 8, 43 through 48, which is the woman with the flow of the blood. And I, I tell them that all she did was touch Jesus' garment. And Jesus said, your faith made you well. So you can pray and pray and pray all day long. But if you don't have the faith to believe Jesus will heal you, he won't heal you. I tell them that he might heal you and he might not. I, I don't know. But you have to believe that he can. And then I make them look at me right in the eye because I keep them focused. And I literally just make them cry out to the Lord for healing. So this, we were in the, literally the, the jungle this one day. And this guy's out there hacking stuff up with a machete. He's like, hey, we're Christians. My wife hasn't walked in over a year. She hasn't even stood up in over a year. She, he asked us if we would come pray for her. So we went in there and we prayed for her and prayed for her. And she got up and started dancing right there. And again, I, I'm, I'm nothing special. I just was obedient to God and I prayed with them the correct way. And it was their faith that healed them, not my prayer. Their faith, Jesus said, your faith healed you. So the the prayer is to get them to believe in the faith that Jesus can heal them. And she was healed. Again, she hasn't even stood up in over a year. She stood up, her eyes got huge, and she literally started dancing right there in her living room. And it just, it just blew me away to be able to be used by the Lord that way. And the Lord can use you in that exact same way. You have to let him use you. You have to be willing to be used by God. So I believe there's a lot of lazy Christians who call themselves Christians. And it's time, we want revival in this country, and this world. It's time that we get up and start doing something for the Lord. Do exactly what God wants us to do. And like I said, the first thing he wants you to do is to read his word every day. Not just come to church on Sunday and Wednesday and go home and forget about it. It's a lifestyle. You have to live it every single day. You shouldn't be different when you go to work. You should st- People should know you're Christians if you're at work. There's nothing in your life that the word of God and your Christian life should not touch. Every, every aspect of your life. Some people might not like that, and that's fine. But you live the word of God every day. That's what we have to do. And revival can start in Turning Point Church. Turning Point Church can be the tip of the spear to change this whole country. There's no reason it can't. This is a big enough church where we can all get together and all work towards the same goal. But it all starts with us. We have to do it, and then it'll grow and get contagious and, you know, just catch like wildfire because it is coming. There is another great awakening coming in this country, and God knows we need it, but amen. So I I challenge you, just say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Like Isaiah said, what do you want me to do? I ask you, this is a very personal question. When's the last time you witnessed to someone? When's the last time you brought someone to the Lord? When's the last time you changed your life because you were convicted? These are all things that we must be doing. You must be witnessing to people. Just be bold. If people reject you, okay, they rejected Jesus too. Be bold in your walk with God. And God will use you in ways you can never imagine. I never ever in a million years expected the Lord to use me in these ways. 
but he has, and he will continue to do that because I try to be as obedient as I can. So if you'll just be obedient to God, he will use you. Just say, here I am. If God calls your name and you say, here I am, you know, it could be an Abraham moment. All Abraham said was, here I am, Lord. And he said, go kill Isaac. And I bet Abraham was like, uh, okay. So he's, he's walking him up on the, the hill and he's like, dad, where's the, where's the sacrifice? And I'm sure he's like, uh, we'll find it. Don't worry. And then he's, uh, he's literally got him on the altar. The Bible says his arm is stretched and his knife in his hand. I imagine just tears coming down his face. And God said, Abraham. He said, don't touch the boy. So whatever God's calling you to do, it's going to work out to your benefit, I promise. So if you just literally say, here I am, he will send you. So let's pray real quick. And I challenge you to repeat this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for who you are, God. Lord, I want to be used in your kingdom. Use me in ways that I can never understand. Use me in ways that you want me to be used in, God. I submit my life to you. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Use me in any way that you want me to use. And I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I also would like to invite uh, all you men out to Man Church tomorrow night. We're having pizza, and it's going to be a really, really great night. So uh, come on out, and it'll be, um, it'll be a great time. So amen. All right. Now, our youth pastor, if you, I know some of you may have never had the opportunity to hear from Pastor Jonathan. Pastor Jonathan is our youth and young adults pastor. He oversees that program. And man, I'm telling you, he puts those kids on fire. So he also went to Honduras. Not only was he in Honduras a few weeks earlier, he was with the youth at Youth for the Nations, our summer camp that we go to with Christ for the Nations. So would you help me welcome Pastor Jonathan. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing? Well, good. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I want to speak upon uh, what happened at YFN and also touch a little bit on from my perspective in Honduras. But before I do that, you know, I was just thinking about um, revival. By the way, Pastor Jeff is going to start a series Sunday, this coming Sunday. You don't want to miss it on revival. I believe God is stirring something up in America. Because you think about everything that has gone on in the past, I don't know, 18 months. You see that the Lord is still working. See, the enemy wants us to think that, you know, all this is going on and God doesn't care. And, you know, where, where's our God at now? And, you know, the same thing was happening to the children of Israel. The enemies of God were mocking the children of God. And they're doing that today. But I believe there's a generation rising up with the word of God in their mouth. Amen. With the shield of faith. Amen. And they are not going to back down to the enemy and let the enemy just come on in and do whatever he wants. And I'm seeing that with the young people. Because, you know, one of the things that I realize is, you know, being in youth ministry for so long, there's a lot of young people who are dealing with mental issues, right? depression, uh, the suicide rate is pretty high, especially in this area. And, and, and you wonder, 
people that don't have Jesus or are not going to church, how in the world do they make it? And we know the answer. They turn to other things, you know, maybe drugs, alcohol, whatever. But now that we've had what we've gone through with this pandemic, and a lot of kids had to stay at home during school and separated socially and all these things, the mental stress has taken its toll even worse now. And my heart really goes out to those who don't have Jesus in their life. Because whatever they were turning to before, they're finding out that's not working. And now the pressure is even tighter, right? And so when we had that mindset coming into Youth for the Nation summer camp, which we go to every single summer, I told the leaders, I said, get ready for God to do something even more amazing this year than we've ever seen before. Because we go every single year, and I think we're on year number six, this past one. Uh, and most of our leaders have been to them. And it's in, it's in Dallas where we go. And, and I just let them know that, hey, you know, you think about what we've gone through. And some of these, these young people are just craving something to happen in their life. There's a desire. There's a desperation for something to happen. And so we prayed into that. And we let the Lord lead us. And, and I told them, I said, I really believe that this is going to be the best summer camp we've ever been a part of because of all the things that have gone on recently. And when we got down there, I tell you, the very first night, the Holy Spirit was moving. I mean, so many just in our group, but all the other uh, churches that are there, teenagers just crying out in desperation to God because it's just like they just want a dew drop from heaven. They're dry they're weary. They're thirsty. They need something from God. Every single night, the altar was filled. Young people on, their, on the ground, on their face, just crying out to the Lord. Healings, depression broken. And there was one night when there was a speaker that was invited from California, came out. And the Holy Spirit was just moving in worship that, I mean, I don't know if there was a dry eye in the house. I don't know if, uh, if there was any teenager just, you know, standing or sitting in their seat, but because everyone was on the floor. When she came up, she said, I, I don't believe I need to be giving, giving a message today just because of what's going on here. <laughs> she said, only thing I will do is share a little bit of my testimony and it was mainly for the young girls there. I tell you, they definitely received it. But I have never, at, at any time we've gone to YFN, you know, they, they spend money to bring these speakers in, some national speakers, some speakers that are going to uh, really speak into the lives of young people. But I've never seen it where someone came in from another city and they didn't speak at all. It's because the Holy Spirit was already doing the work. And even in our group, we like to, on the last night that we're there, we like to um, get together, huddle up in our group, and, and just talk about what has God been doing this week. You know, one thing I noticed with these young people is when they have that whole week of less distractions, right? And, and everyone, they see people beside them just seeking God together with them. God starts moving powerfully, Right. And the thing that we struggle with as as leaders is when they come back from camp and they go back to their normal routine, their normal life. Right. Where they have the TVs, they have the phones, they have all these things that can distract them, which they didn't really have at camp. 
And, and we've made it a point to let them know, look, you saw God move in your heart. You, you, feel, you felt his presence. You, you were revived. You felt really good, right? One of the big reasons is because you had less distractions. And I just want to say that to us right now. I know we pray for revival. We want revival. But really, and even I look at Honduras, we have a lot of distractions. One of the biggest ones I think of is social media. You know, social media can can lose your walk with God if you let it, right? Some of us spend more time on social media than we do the word of God. We see all the bad news scrolling through the feed, but we got the good news right there in our hands waiting for us every day. And it doesn't change. It remains the same. And it is still powerful today. And just in our group, just in our group, there was this one young lady God stirred on her heart, and she was in tears. And she said, she confessed to all of us, all my life I've I've taken a liking to females. And I know that's not right. And through tears and repentance, she said, God, I want to be changed. I don't want to live a homosexual lifestyle anymore. We didn't have to preach about it. The Holy Spirit just did it. Do you understand what I'm saying? When the Holy Spirit comes, all those prayers just get answered. Because the Holy Spirit will come and do what he wants to do. And that's what I want to see in this church. That's what I want to see in this city. Come on, is anybody with me? I want to see a move of God. But it starts with us. Revival is bringing back things that were dead. Maybe we have dead Bible reading and devotions. Maybe we have a dead praise. Some, some of us used to really praise God and, and we meant it. But now, you know, things happen. I know, but now we just, we, we're just real casual about it. But I believe if we have a desperation, if we have a cry out to God, if we have a hunger, God is going to meet that hunger. Because he's never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. He has never uh, put us in a position where we had a desire for him and he didn't fulfill it. Because in the end of the day, we were made for eternity. We were not made for this earth. We were made for eternity. In our hearts, Ecclesiastes says, we have eternity set in our hearts. And the world needs to know that. That they were designed on purpose for purpose. They were not evolved. They were not just magically appearing. That God intricately designed them. They were fearfully and wonderfully made. They have a purpose. And until that purpose is fulfilled, they will not know what living is about. And we have the most powerful message that the world can carry. The president doesn't have this. Uh, university professors don't have this. The history books don't have this. We have the most powerful message of all. And we need to share it everywhere we go. You know, my heart went out to some of the young men who, who came up to me in tears and saying, I just want to know who my father is. I just want to know who my father is. My heart went out to them. But you see, when God starts moving we start realizing how much we need him. And I believe one of the reasons, as I transition into Honduras, one of the reasons we're not seeing the quote-unquote revival that we want to see is because we don't feel like we need God. 
Oh, I know we come to church. I know some of us, we are, we're tithing, we're reading our word and everything, and we might say it with our lips that we need Jesus, but our actions, actions, actions show differently. Where are our priorities at? Come on. We make every excuse not to come to the house of God. We make every excuse why we can't read the word and pray. But everything else gets our attention. And then we wonder where God is at. Listen, when we're in Honduras, you know, we're, we're going to villages and houses where people literally have nothing. But they have the joy of the Lord. <laughs> You would not know by the way they talk to you, by the by their countenance, you would not know that they didn't have anything. And Johnny spoke about the healings we saw on the streets, the salvations. I mean, I remember one teenager just pulling up in a bicycle. He was wondering what was going on. What are we doing? Because he saw us carrying food and we had Bibles. And, you know, that led us to a conversation to, to start talking about Jesus. And he was only 14 years old and he gave his life to Jesus right there in the middle of the road. Just riding right by. Just curious. Right. And there's and there's others that did the same thing. They were coming on a motorcycle or just walking by and and and, and they just saw us and they want to know what's going on. And you know, one thing I do recall is and I see this here in America. We would talk to people and ask them, do you know Jesus? Oh, yeah, I know Jesus. But if we followed up with a question that said something like this, have your sins been forgiven? Or if you died today, do you know where you'll be going? We started seeing some eyes looking around. We started seeing some heads shaking. I don't know. We, we saw countenance drop. And I see the same thing here in America. I think a lot of us believe, especially in the Bible Belt, because we live here or because we grew up in church or because mom and dad's a Christian, that we're a Christian too. We're in America. We're a Christian, Right? But when you get down to the heart of it, Jesus said it like this. Um, he told us in the word of God, he said, there'll be many in the last days who say, Lord, Lord, I cast out demons in your name. I healed the sick. I, I, I helped. I, I fed the hungry, the poor. And Jesus said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I don't even know you. The question is not so much of do we know Jesus, but does he know you? And the only way he knows us is if we have a daily relationship with him. If we are before the face of the father, you know, when you're talking to someone, you can kind of tell they're not listening to you when they're on their phone, when they're looking around, what you want is you want to see their eyeballs face to face. And God wants to see our eyeballs face to face. He wants our face to meet his face face. And that happens in the time of prayer. If we want revival to happen in this city, in this nation, it begins with us. It really begins with us. What are we doing with our time? And I'm not up here to make, it, make you think, oh, I've got it all together. I'm not. I'm just telling you, I'm reporting what I see. The Lord was laying it on my heart when I was in Honduras. This is my second time there. I was like, Lord, I'm troubled. Why in the world when we come somewhere like this, we simply present the gospel and people want to hear it. But if I do the same thing here, they don't want to hear it. And the Lord keeps reminding me, they don't think, talking about here in America, 
they don't think they have a need for me. They've got their degrees. They've got their position and their status and their career. They've got their money. They've got all these possessions. They've got all these things that they feel like they are doing good because maybe they're living the American dream. or They feel like they have peace with God. And at the end of the day, they don't. And yes, if we go out on the streets here in Fort Worth, if we go into the marketplace, if we go uh, in the fast food drive through and we start talking to people about Jesus, we're going to get a lot of rejections. But they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting Jesus. But it doesn't matter. We were called to go anyways. Because one thing I do know is the word of God is powerful. The Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll cut down into the bone and to the marrow and into the soul. The word of God is incorruptible. It is a precious seed. And if it digs down into a heart, see, we might think, what we might think is a rejection is going to give somebody something to think about that night. And you have no idea who else will come by and water that seed again. And in the end, we know that God will get the glory. And that is what it's all about. But for us... We are called to be obedient. We are called to be obedient. I could go on and on about what I saw at YFN in Honduras. But at the end of the day, it's a conviction to me. Because how many times have I walked by strangers and didn't say anything about Jesus to them? I could just simply say, God bless you. And you don't know what kind of door that will open up. How many times have I actually even prayed before I got up and started my day and said, God, use me today. Because I will tell you one thing. If you do pray that, you're going to see God move. The question is, do you want to have it? If you say, God, today send someone in my path, and I'm going to challenge everyone to do that, myself included. Send someone in my path today when I go to this restaurant after church, the, the waiter, the waitress, whoever, and let me ask if they need prayer. Let me ask that they know Jesus and, and, and pray to the Lord for boldness. I promise you, if you pray that, it will happen. Why? Because the harvest is plenty and the laborers are few. God is always, is the, the question, it's not the harvest that's the issue. There's the harvest is there. But God needs someone to go out there and pull that harvest in. And that could be you. That could be you. That could be you. It could be me. But are we willing? Are we willing to say like Isaiah Send me, Lord, I will go. I'm not worried about my position. I'm not worried about my prestige. I'm not worried about anything but for your glory, God. I tell you one thing. If we can have a heart like Isaiah did, or a heart like Jeremiah, or a heart like Abraham, and just trust God, wherever you want me to go, God, I'll go. We will see revival. We will see amazing things happen. And I believe it, like Johnny said, it can start right here. It can start right here. We have family members. We have coworkers. We have friends that do not hear the gospel. They don't know what the gospel is. But guess what? You do. I do. If someone you knew had cancer, or even you didn't know them, you didn't know them, and you had the cure, it would be criminal not to tell them how to get better. There's a sickness worse than cancer, worse than COVID, worse than diabetes, and it is called sin. And the only cure is the cross. And we know what Jesus did for us. And we have to tell everyone else what the cure is. 
Behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. That is the message that John the Baptist preached when Jesus came on the scene. This is the Lamb of God. This is the one to look to. He is the one who take away your sins. Look to him, not to me. And that is exactly what we have to do is tell everyone else, don't look at me. Look at Jesus. When you look at him, you will be changed. Because he's the only one that defeated death, hell, and the grave. I want to pray real quick. And I believe Pastor Brennan is going to come back up here. And we're going to have an altar call. And I, and I, and I think my assignment when I talked to Pastor Jeff, uh, Johnny and I had an assignment, is to help prepare the congregation for revival. Because he is going to be talking about that. I'm telling you right now. You're going to get closer to God than ever before, but it's only going to happen if we want it. If we don't want it, it won't happen. I don't know about you, but I want it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray right now, Father, that there will be a thirst and a hunger for righteousness stirred up right here at TPC, oh God. God, we believe you are faithful. We know you will do it, oh God. And I pray right now, Father, we will be desperate for you more than we ever have before, oh God. That we will realize that we need you more than ever, oh God. That it's not time for us to be slack. Father, your your son Jesus, at 12 years old, was in the temple. And he was about the Father's business. Oh God, when they went looking for him, Father, God, I pray we are about your business and your business is souls. Your business is seeing people saved, healed and delivered. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that let that happen right here, right now. Father, we won't just hear a message and just go out and forget about what it was, but we will share it with somebody else because people are in need. People are desperate, Father. And God, you have called us the light of the world salt of the earth let us shine for your name let us bring flavor on this earth for your name and we praise you and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus amen amen so you've heard the testimonies You've heard what great things the Lord has done. And you've heard the challenge that we are the ones who are called. You know, as Pastor John was saying, you know, Isaiah had this great vision. But it was the Lord who said, who shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah responded. So in that context, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Because it is us, the people of God, who are the light of the world, to carry that message out, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you are willing to be like Isaiah, to say, right here, Lord, here am I, send me, would you stand with me? If you're willing to do that, as we stand here before the Lord and before each other, we are making a commitment, committing ourselves, our lives to the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus name, Lord, you see each and every person here today. Lord, you see their hearts, 
Lord, you see their commitment. And Father, I just pray right now, Lord, you would move among your people. Father, that you would just renew within us the joy of our salvation. Lord, you would fill us fresh with your Holy Spirit, with the passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord, and a passion for the world, the passion that you had when you sent Jesus. And Father, we pray that the message of hope that you put in our hearts, Lord, would spread to our families, to our communities, to our cities, to our state, and throughout this entire country, from coast to coast from border to border, Lord, that every single person would hear the hope of Jesus Christ. And Father, today, just as Isaiah said, we say to you, here am I, Lord, send me. And Father, in that sending, Lord, may no person, no entity, no event, no organization, no one and nothing get the glory but Jesus. And may you be glorified in it, Father, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Give the Lord a hand this morning.